Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I chat with Bethany Hawkins. She's the CEO of the podcast management group, Crackers in Soup. And she has her own podcast called Chatting Over Chowder, where she chats with women that have podcasts about the podcasts they listen to while they eat soup. I met Bethany virtually through talks we gave at the New York City Podcasters Winter Conference earlier this year. We connected after the conference, and she started telling me about her anxiety. And those are the magic words for me to be a guest on the podcast, so here we are. We talk about finding the right therapist, leaving a steady job to start your own business, breaking into podcasting, and creating a new theme song for Anxious AF. She's so genuine, so bubbly, and was just so much fun to talk to. Please enjoy my conversation with Bethany Hawkins. I'm so excited to have you. This is like the dream. You're so professional and just like, I can't, your podcast is on point. Like, I'm just like, I can't function. I'm in the presence of royalty right now. So, so Sasha Hoff, I don't know. Do you know who Sasha Hoff is? I do not. Uncultured. Okay, so she, she, she is also an, an editor and she has a podcast and she is phenomenal. She's like one of the funniest fucking people I've ever met in the history of the earth. And she said to me the other day that I am sophisticated and I truly guffawed in every <laughs> sense of the word of the... I got and then I fawed. And then I got again and then I fawed again. I was like... <laughs> so when you Man. just like professional, I'm like, who, who's Sarah talking to? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if two people are telling you, maybe it's a sign. I don't I, know. Just me. I, I, yeah, yeah, the universe is trying to tell me something, and I'm like, word. I don't think they're trying. I think they're stating facts, ma'am. Speaking of anxiety, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> the anxiousness. Yeah. <laughs> they're facts. It's called facts, ma'am. Okay. I mean, so you know what? I'm just saying that. In lieu of compliments, I just please offer facts. <laughs> So I brought a I bought a bar graph and a pie chart to show how professional you are, and then I just bring it up. <laughs> You're like, and these are all the examples. Yeah. On Tuesday, February. Full 3rd. statistics. Like, like, I'm a numbers gal. Like, crunch those numbers. Actually, that's a total lie. I'm not a numbers girl. I hate numbers. <laughs> so, oh my god. How do we want to do this? So I'm just going straight in is my plan. I I just like, I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited to talk to you. What, you were like, I have anxiety. I'm like, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, requirements for my podcast. You are truly the first person who has ever said great to that to my response of I have anxiety. My husband's like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I know what my brand is. Anxiety excites me. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not by myself in this. Good on good on everyone for having problems, am I right? <laughs> Which is so true, because anxiety can feel, like, so isolating. Yeah. And it's so funny, because, like, I'll read, I'll read posts and memes, because, God forbid, I should read an article. Like, the difference in a meme is true. <laughs> Same thing. And I'm like, so, there are other people whose brain does this? So what does your brain do? Are you a list person? Because that's that's how my anxiety kind of does its thing. So I am a monkey brain person. Okay. 
I'm ready. So, so my, like my thoughts incessantly run. It, it could be something minuscule and then my brain will just take it and just manifest it into like the wildest case scenario. I truly have to be cautious and conscious of what I'm watching and what and whom I'm interacting with. Because in addition to being anxiety ridden, I'm also empathic. So if somebody is kind of like spiraling, and that's why I'm very, very particular in who I work with for clientele. Because if I have a client that's super anxious, that in turn makes me anxious. And then that person is like, we come up the conversation, but I'm, I'm still in the spiral of anxiousness and feeling all of their feels and in addition to then compounding my feels. So we we're in like a same group. So you know I'm like chatty taffy and I'm like, ah, this is me, this is who I am. Just take it and leave it. But for the longest time I didn't talk. Like I was four and in Montessori and the teachers would go up to my mom and they'd be like, because they, they like hush talked. Because I'm at like, I'm in my, my 40s. So they didn't have like diagnoses like they have now. So, so for like someone to be autistic, it was, that term was few and far between. The teachers would, would go up to my mom and they'd whisper, they'd be like, Bethany hasn't talked to anybody all day. And my mom would be like, yeah, she doesn't talk. This is like, what? she doesn't talk. So then uh, my mom would bring me to the doctors and they were questioning whether or not I had autism and what autism meant. And like I said, it like it wasn't the internet days. You couldn't look anything up back then. <laughs> Ancient <laughs> times, yeah. The back of the day when you actually had to go to the library and look at the card catalog. <laughs> yep. So R. my P. mom was, yes, like, like, oh, rest in peace, Dewey Decimal System. So... <laughs> So my mom, like, she was just so cool. She was like, all right, cool, whatever. Because I have an older sister, and all she did was talk. So my mom was, like, wonderful. If I have one kid that doesn't talk, and I have one kid that all she does is talk, I am evening out. And my dad, my dad was just like, she'll just grow into her own. It'll be fine. So they didn't really, they didn't really worry about it. (laughs) And it, it was one of those things where my sister's four years older than me. So she talked for me. So I didn't really need to articulate anything. If I wanted something, I was like a very independent kid. If I wanted something, I would just go and get it. Like I, did, I wasn't really, um, I never really like stir the pot when I was little. It just, it was what it was. And as I got older, I learned that that is like a coping mechanism for anxiety. And then like, as I look back on our family dynamics. I, my mother is very anxious. She's, she's very anxiety ridden. And that is from, um, you know, her childhood and her home life. And my father, like he was very anxious, but my father was like, he appeared to be very calm, but he really wasn't. And there were times when like my mom would tell us these stories of before she had my sister and I, my father would just be like riddled with anxiety and he wouldn't be able to get out of bed for like a month. So like I come from a family of of anxious people. 
that's usually how it goes though no it's like every, usually somebody's anxious in the house or it's like why is no one like this <laughs> it's either, either one of those things yes and, it, and it's so funny because when you when you're growing up like you just think that everything that you're living is the norm oh yeah like everybody else is living the same life like you you have no perception of other people Ooh, <laughs> i know that <laughs> so you know and you know like i had a great childhood we, we went on family vacations like my parents both worked really hard everything was copacetic it was just this underlying like energy and to this day, in order for me to recharge, I need to be by myself, which is really hard when you have like children and a husband <laughs> and you own a business and you have people who you need to answer to and who need to answer to you. And your job is to talk. Yeah. And my job is to talk. And you have a podcast. If you want to be known, you have to show up in forums. Like you have to do presentations and you have to like... You have to make yourself be known so people want to either work with you, engage with you, or follow you. There are times when, like, I know I'm at a mental breaking point with my anxiety, and I just keep pushing, and then my body is like, boop, you're now sick. And that would happen to me, like, a lot when I was at my corporate job, where I was an office administrator for a district attorney's office. You want to talk about freaking anxiousness. <laughs> Like, I dealt with all of the ADAs. It was, like, the district attorney, the deputy district attorney, and then it was myself. And, like, I would get to a point where I'm, like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, and then body would just shut down. Like, bronchitis, like, pneumonia, like, all of the things that forces your body to, like, shingles. <laughs> Jeez. And it, it, I feel like if anxiety could manifest itself into anything, it would be like shingles. Yeah. Because it's stress-induced. A bunch of spots on your body, yep. Mm -hmm. A bunch of itchy, burning spots on your body. <laughs> and it's like... What a mood. Now, now bitch, now you hear us. <laughs> but that's it. Nobody gets that Like mental health and physical health are so intertwined. It's not a separate thing. Like, if you are anxious, your body is going to respond to that, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stress itself out physically. It's so true. And not only is it just, like, your body manifesting itself into sickness, but it's also your, your muscles tensing. So your energy is literally trapped. So if my mm -hmm. mind is racing, 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 it literally gets trapped in my body. And my husband will touch my shoulders, and he'll be like, oh, my God. In there, yep. <laughs> That is a right, and he'll try to like massage my shoulder, and it hurts so badly. And I'm like, stop! And I'm like, I wasn't even doing anything hard. Like, what is happening? But because he, like, the only thing he gets anxious about is the safety of, you know, his family. Yeah. But other than that, he has such a beautiful mindset of everything will work out, everything's fine, and it always works out for him. I want that. Always. Can I have that? Can you tell him to give it to me, girl? I have had children with him. He hasn't given it to me. <laughs> like, we sleep in the same bed. <laughs> like, like, there was a whole betrothment. Ain't giving it to me yet? Oh my god, man! <laughs> but yeah, anxiety is a, is, a, is a weird thing. And there are so many different forms of anxiety. Like, I have, I have OCD, which manifests itself in, in my like, monkey mind and my anxiety. 
And then that in turn, so like my primary OCD ends up leading me into a secondary depressive state. And I think people are, are so quick to be like, oh, well, you're one or the other. You're, you're like anxious and you're not, not understanding or appreciating that anxiety can be an onset to depression. I guess when, when did you sort of see the two intertwining together in your life? therapy <laughs> <laughs> well that'll do it to you my therapist was so she was so amazing she was so dead on and I saw her like 15 years ago and she truly changed my life because I just thought that I was crazy like and 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 crazy is such a dismissive term and, and I hate when people use the term crazy when it's something that they don't agree with and we're like well that's crazy if you really look at like the root of someone being called crazy, it's so condescending. It's so dismissive. And when you feel like that about yourself, that gives you allowance to not deal with it. Because you're like, yeah, I'm just crazy. It's fine. Yep. Instead of being like, okay, well, what is the root of this? So or can you be when, fixed? <laughs> or can I be fixed? So I was at a place where I was like, I was having night terrors where I would be screaming in the middle of the night. Um, ever since I was little, uh, another cause of another anxiety kind of ridden symptom is I would, I would sleepwalk. And then when I was older and I had my own apartment, like I was, I lived by myself and I would have these night terrors and I would like wake up in my closet, like screaming. And I was so afraid that I was going to like start sleepwalking and just like lock myself out of my apartment and be like in my t-shirt in the hallway. Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, I need to get this shit in check. Like, so <laughs> I was like, I cannot be. Can't be a grown adult hiding in my closet. No. Yes, like rocking back and forth. Like, what is this? So I, I ended up going to see her. And then she was like, Have, has anybody ever diagnosed you with OCD? And I was like, no, because OCD to me was, and, and I also do like little repetitive things, like I check the door, <laughs> but OCD to me was that like doing that stuff like constantly. So I didn't realize that OCD is like, you can also have compulsive thoughts. And then the, that's when she was like, I truly don't think that you are, that, that you're, diagnosis is depression, I think your OCD, your depression is because of your OCD. And all of that made sense to me. Mm. And then she introduced me to like EFT and she introduced me to- That's like tapping um, stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. 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 She introduced me to meditation. She introduced me to understanding my brain and why it works the way that it does and the things that like influence it. Like alcohol and too much caffeine or chocolate and, and what you're ingesting and what you're imbibing in can have a direct correlation to when my anxiety is on like a full flail. And this is all in like the, that one yeah. session. It was all like coming at you at one time. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. no, I saw her for years. <laughs> <laughs> you were cured, right? I swear I paid. I was like, girl, I'm paying for your like beach house. <laughs> I, you have three of them now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, yes. And and I, I stopped going to her a while back. Um, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen her, but 
her information and her care of how we spoke in every single session and, and how she introduced me to things that I had never had knowledge of. It was so profound. And she taught me so much. And because I was with her, I think, for like two years. That time period was so like, so for anybody who thinks, if you're going to a therapist that you just do not resonate with, that, that you think everything that they say is like, I kind of don't feel like that. Or if they're constantly talking about themselves and they're like, well, when I was younger, bitch, no one cares. A lot of so that resonates with me so hard because, uh, as, as I think I've mentioned on the show, um, I was seeing a therapist for eight years. I kept sort of thinking that things were not great. I was like, I've never done therapy before. So I have to be wrong. Like it must be wrong. So I have an eating disorder. I've been like a binge eater for most of my life. I've been having weight issues for a long time. And her immediate, not immediate, but pretty quickly in, she was like, what do you think about getting gastric bypass? And I was like, uh, I wasn't. And then it became like, you know, anxious anxiety, like all I thought about. And then it just kind of became like, it was very much about losing weight and you'll feel better when you lose weight. And I ended up asking her, why were you pitching so hard for gastric bypass? And she was like, well, I had it done. And then she eventually, t- and I, then I asked her as, you know, later on, I was like, why did you get it done? And she was like, well, I didn't want my kids and my husband to be ashamed of me. So that's when I knew I was like, I can't like, this has been the whole time. Like she told me like, if you want to binge, binge carrots. And I was like, that's not it. <laughs> what? Mm, Sarah. There's a, so I am, I am obese, like clinically obese. Same. There's always an underlying emotional reason. And if you are just saying get gastric bypass without figuring out why you are doing this behavior, which is uh, kind of obsessive and you're and doing it unconsciously and doing it just to numb, even if you got some sort of surgery or if you went on some sort of diet, because you're not addressing that emotional behavior, it's all for naught. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a dam. Literally. <laughs> if you get the surgery, people gain the weight back because they're not, they, don't, they didn't solve the psychological issue. They didn't, they didn't tackle mm-hmm. why they're eating. They just were like, okay, I'm going to eat through the sickness. And in turn, what a lot of people have done, because I've had family members who have, gas, who have had gastric bypass, they have replaced one obsessive compulsion with another. Or, that, or you're obsessing over so, staying thin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And sometimes that operation causes loss of nutrients in some people um, because their, their body isn't digesting food properly or, or whatnot. Um, and they get like thinning hair or there, there are other things that happen because of the surgery that they then become obsessed about. So it's like, And I didn't, like, decide I'm going to go into therapy and find this therapist and be like, oh, my God, she's a godsend. Girl, I had a shitty-ass therapist. And I was like... Everybody's got one. She 
She was answering like phone calls from her kids in the middle of our session. And she kept like, I was, it was before like my husband and I were back together. We've known each other since we were 13. It's a whole damn story. You don't want to know about. (laughs) Who says? (laughs) But we had, we had broken up and I had been um, dating this other person and I knew what I wanted. I wanted to get married and I wanted to have kids and, I, I was expressing this, and he didn't want that, and I, and I was expressing this to um, the, the therapist that I had at the time, and she was like, well, you're so young, so you don't need to want to have those things now, and I should have known at that point, where I was like, she's like, okay, ah. you're done, cut me the check. I'm like, I feel unheard, but as you said, if you have never had therapy before, you're looking towards this person as a professional who's going to assist you and you're like okay well maybe i maybe she's right maybe i shouldn't be wanting these things because i'm young and i have quote-unquote time like (laughs) so if you are ever feeling like that if every time you leave yourself because there are some things that a good therapist is going to say to you that is going to piss you off and is going to hurt you oh yeah but it's a different feeling it's a damn they're right now i gotta put in some work you're like take all my money that's what i always say every time my therapist says something good i'm like just take it just take my money to have it the whole thing yes yes and be like oh there is a difference between that versus this person for for 45 minutes completely didn't hear anything that i said this was like not fruitful in any way if you feel worse after you leave leave your therapy session don't go to that person anymore. You can break up with your therapist. Like, you can. It's hard, yes, but do it. We, Sari and I are giving yeah, you permission. Please. You can break up with your therapist if it's not working. And that cut it out. No, that in itself is. I healthy. am still processing the last therapist. Like the place that I was going to, the owner was embezzling funds from the therapy like company, and so I was planning on trying to like break up with her. But then they were like, hey, we're closing down in a month. And I was like, I don't have to do shit. Perfect. My anxiety was like, it went down. <laughs> I was like, this is great. And then but when our last session, she was like, you know, if you want to, you know, continue. I was like, I'm good. There's a part of me that still feels like I should have just like had those conversations. But I was like, you know what? I'm good. Like, I'm going to figure this out. And so I think now it's more about the process of the last therapist in, in, in my current sessions now. But my therapist will say things now. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think this. Just take, just, I know that I'm, like, just keep taking my money. Just go, here's my bank account routing number. <laughs> and I truly believe that, like, you know who you're going to resonate with. Like, I resonate well with women. Same. Um, if, if I can find a therapist that is a black woman, even better, because there are generational things, um, that black people experience that you kind of don't want to have to explain to somebody who hasn't had that experience. And that's a whole other level of anxiety. If you have a white therapist, it's, and it's very funny because like I said, I went to her like 15 years ago. Um, and she, and she was this white woman, this very thin white woman. She was like, before the word even woke was even a thing, (laughs) like when woke would just, just meant that you arose in the morning, Arose. (laughs) like she was the wokest 
damn white woman I had ever She woke met. up and said, I'm not like, racist. She, she, I swear she was black in another <laughs> life. Like she, yeah. she was like a black woman in another life reincarnated to understand all the black women who needed therapy. Because she, I didn't have to explain anything to her. She was so on point. So if, if you are a minority and, and you are looking for a therapist and you can only find like somebody in the area that is, is either white or necessarily doesn't, is it like your pinnacle person? That's fine. Just find somebody who is not judgmental. Find somebody who can like, you, you feel comfortable explaining your experiences to and that they understand. It's also kind of sucks too in the sense that you have to sort of, you're in therapy to get help, but then you have to also do the work in a way to like figure out if they're actually helping you. I feel like that is like a sixth sense though. So you know when you're vibing with somebody and when you're not. Like you know if somebody's understanding or appreciating, even if they, they, they haven't had that experience, but they're like, wow, tell me more about that. Tell me, tell me more about how that experience played out. But for me, I second guess myself. I don't believe in my own gut, which, you know, I got to be in therapy for something. Um, but, <laughs> you know, like I couldn't sense it. Like, I think I'm sensing it more now because now I've gone through that. But it sucks that you have to sort of, if you're not that kind of person to sort of, if you don't have that sixth sense or the, you know, your third eye or whatever you want to call it, if you don't have it, if you don't have that muscle yet and you have to like develop that muscle, I think. I don't know if it necessarily comes naturally to everybody or maybe that's just me. I love that. I love that you brought that up because even if you don't trust your gut, your body will reveal itself. Like, like I bet you during those sessions, you either got like goosebumps or you kind of got like a chill, but your body will tell you if, it, if it's not feeling safe. It's been so interesting to see how my demeanor has changed with my new therapist and how like, she's like, thank you for trusting me. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do trust you. Huh? I love that. And, and I think that normalizing therapy is such important and it's so important. And I think that um, the generation like after me is very in tune with how they feel and how they express themselves and being more open to the therapeutic process where, you know, like my parents' generation, they were just trying to survive. Like, yeah cool if you want to go to therapy, but we got to pay these bills. <laughs> we got to raise these kids. Like this, that's what their concentration was on. And I feel like my generation was kind of more focused on going to college and getting that good job. Yeah. Checking those boxes off. Yes. Because the previous generation, like that was what was instilled in us. We were so concentrated on going to college, getting a good job, making sure that we had stability getting a house because that was like another big thing that was put on my generation shoulders. So all of these things are inked ridden. <laughs> like, if you have, like you said, the checkbox off of your life, if you hit a certain age and you haven't checked any of those boxes off, you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Ooh, are you in my brain now? <laughs> Did we get there? Because I'm literally going through that now of like, I'm in my early 30s. I'm not in a relationship. I don't have kids. I live alone. 
you're taught, like you said, you gotta, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you have kids by X time, especially if you're a woman. And I'm like, I haven't checked those boxes off and I have a job, but I don't know if I'm fulfilled in this job. Like it's not what there's the anxiety there. And also just like, who are you living for? How do I live for myself? And what does that even look like? Right. And that's pressure in itself. Like, I love that you use the word, I have a job. Am I fulfilled? Because now the whole thing is, well, are you fulfilled in your job? Does your job bring you bring you joy in addition to uh, a nominal income so that you can pay for your apartment? Like like it's like all these things. It's like no, I I'm I'm working at Target. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to get my Target discount. <laughs> yep. Target's not fulfilling to me. Like don't come at me, Target. I'm just using you as an example. But like, maybe people are very fulfilled working at Target. I, don't I know. love that I'm you think that Target's going to hear this. There. This is really exciting. Thank you so much. You girl. <laughs> But that was like another thing where now it's like you just can't get up and do the damn thing just to make ends meet. You now have to be fulfilled in it. You have to you have to like share your joy with the whole world on social media. It's like I don't want to share my joy because I'm not joyful. (laughs) Mind your business, social media. Mind your business. (laughs) Wait, so talk about that because you have your own you have your own empire now. I'm calling it that. Even if it's not, we're putting it in the universe. You have your own thing. And that, so that had to take, especially with anxiety, like I'm assuming, because you said you had a, you know, a steady job prior to that. And then I guess, how did you, how did you balance the anxiety of all that and to decide to take a risk to do that? I truly believe that like the universe sends you, sends you all of the signs. And I truly believe that Things are supposed to happen for you when they're supposed to happen for you. Um, I never would have thought in a million years that I have my own business. Um, I never thought in a million years that I would have my own business in podcasting. I never thought in a million years that I would have my own business in podcasting podcasting and have my own podcast. Like, Like, if somebody had said to me 10 years ago, I bet you a million dollars that this is going to be your life in 10 years. I'd be like, you're tripping. Whatever drug you took, you probably Put it shouldn't back. take it again. Put it back because it done when expired. <laughs> it made you lose your mind. <laughs> I got to a point at my corporate job where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I would come home miserable. I would be miserable to my husband. I'd be miserable to my daughter. I just, like, I I couldn't even fake the funk anymore. Where I, like, if, if you have had anxiety your whole life, you get really good about faking quote-unquote normal and hiding your anxious interior. At least I, I shouldn't say that for, at least I did. I got very good at that mask and that charade of, okay, I'm good, I'm fine. I knew it was going to be problematic when I couldn't have that facade anymore. Where like when I was driving into work and I was like almost in tears every day. And then I would leave work and I would leave in tears because I knew I had to go back the next day. When I couldn't engage with, like, like my daughter would want to cuddle up and talk to me. And I couldn't eat, and I didn't even have the energy to engage with this baby. And I'm like, 
she's not going to want to cuddle with me for much longer. Like, she's getting older, and I can't even bring myself to do this. And I said to my husband, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm thinking about creating my own business. And I had no idea what that looked like. So what I do best is I research. I'm a researcher. Like, I have a degree in criminal justice. I have a certification in paralegalism that is very much concentrated on research and finding out law and finding out facts and finding out truth, right? So I was like, okay, I heard of this thing called virtual assistants. I don't know. I don't know anybody who's a virtual assistant. I don't know anybody who has their own business. Like, there's no entrepreneurs in my family. That's not a thing. Like, they worked construction and they worked at the telephone company. Like, their entire lives. Like, that's what my parents did. <laughs> so this entrepreneur thing, I was like... I don't know anybody who sells real estate. Like, I don't, this is so far, like, far outside of my scope of comprehension. So my husband was like, I support you. I'm down. Like, do what you have to do so that you can, like, have your smile back. He's like, but please remember, we are a two-income family. <laughs> so you better find it now and get money fast. Yeah. So, like, so, like, if you are going to resign from this position that provided healthcare and pension and if you're if you're gonna walk away from all of this and come out with nothing please make sure that it's some sort of gener like income generating business and I knew that I had transferable skills so I was like okay these are the transferable skills that I have this is what I can do for people I gotta figure out how I can do it virtually so I took a couple of different courses I um started following a couple of different people I started joining like support groups on Facebook and I was like okay it, and I created my website and I completed the course and I did everything that I needed to do with some hiccups because there's always some hiccups but even with the hiccups I was so determined that I was not going to fail at this I was like I will trudge through I, I would like come home at six o'clock at night I would work until like 12 o'clock at night and then I would get up I would get up go to my Nine to five, pick up my daughter, six o'clock, 12 o'clock, like just nonstop. The dedication, yeah. nonstop. My husband was like, I wish you touched me as much as you touched that damn laptop because I was... <laughs> something's got to give. Yeah. Something's got to give. Like, and I would, and I would lay in bed and I would just crash and just do it all again. So when everything was, when I, when I couldn't take any one, like one more course and I had all of these certificates that I said, I was like, okay, it's time. So I handed in my resignation and I was like, now I got to get clients. Like, oh. So you just set yourself and... up, but you did, you weren't like making money in this nope. before you quit. Okay. Nope. I, I didn't have like a roster, a client roster. I wasn't making money. I was just setting myself up. And I put in my resignation. I gave her three months because I was the only person who did what I did in my office. So I was like, I, I need to allow her time to hire somebody so that I could train them. And then the three months was up. And then I was like, okay, bye. And I knew that I had made the right decision because I am like, I try to be all like, oh, I'm hard and blah, 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 blah. I'm a big baby. Like I cry. I am a crier. <laughs> Same. I cry on movies. You know, like I'm, I'm like, I will curse you out. And then I'll be like. But I will fully <laughs> break down. Yep. I knew that I was 
doing the right thing, I did not shed one tear when I left that office. I was practically skipping out of there with my box of treasures. I was like, <laughs> she did a she did a did skipping I, motion on a audio podcast. I Love it. I did a jig. I did. I, I did a, a jig with a box. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, now, now I have to get clients. What does that look like? <laughs> and I did. And I, and I like, like I said, I joined a whole bunch of Facebook groups. And I was like, hey, I have all of these skills. Who wants to retain my services? And, and I persevered and I joined a networking group. I, but I always knew in the back of my head, for the last three years that I was at that office, I listened to podcasts. Like podcasts literally got me through my everyday. So I knew that if I was creating a business, I wanted it to be in podcast because podcasts were so important to me. And I was like, this has to be a medium that's getting other people through their day. And I wanted to be in the thick of that. So as I started getting paid, and it was just myself at the time, and I, and I was starting to get clients and I was starting to get money and I, we were, I was able to pay the mortgage. And I was like, okay, well, now is the time that my business was having traction that I want to start introducing podcasts into it. So I like submerged myself in finding people who needed assistance in podcasting. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know who that was. But like I said, the universe always has a way. If you put it out there, of like having your back. So this woman, she ended up saying, oh, I dropped my latest podcast episode and I listened to her podcast and I loved it. And then when I looked at her podcast, she didn't have any show notes. So I couldn't refer all of the episodes that I wanted to refer to my friends to her because she didn't have any show notes. I couldn't remember which one was which. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, you don't have any show notes. I want to get into podcasting. Can I, I will write your show notes for free if that is something that, that she would like. And she was like, I am down. And that was actually Kimberly Sumter. Um, and she took me up on the opportunity and she taught me so much about the podcasting industry just from that willingness to connect. So how far along into this whole process do you like, I want to make my own? Or was making your own always part of it, part of the end game? It was not because, again, I have anxiety. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome. I am anxious AF. <laughs> New theme song. It's just Full you. Circle. Yeah. Full circle. <laughs> it's just, just, who's anxious as fuck? I'm anxious as fuck. Are you anxious as fuck? Let's be anxious as fuck together. Like... <laughs> wow. I can't wait to put that at the top. Thank you. So I never wanted um, to do a podcast because I am like very much like behind the scenes and that's where like the social media, I was struggling with a bit. Like my, um, my graphic designer was like, you need to do reels. And I was like, I don't want to do reels. But like, <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I do what I want. Um, so then people kept saying to me, will you be on my podcast? And I kept saying, no, <laughs> I don't, I'm not on podcast. I am podcast so then it got to a point where it's just like a little bit ridiculous (laughs) so so i was like okay well if we are if i'm going to do a podcast it's going to be something fun like 
Not that I don't love my business. I absolutely adore my business. I don't want to talk about my business on the podcast. So I'm like, I'm not going to teach you how to be a podcast um, manager or a podcast producer or a podcast editor. Like, there are other people who do that. They're amazing at it. I'm not one. And I knew that I would have a lot of pod, I would like instant pod feed. There's only so much that I can say about how I get clients. <laughs> about how to edit using Audacity. Like, how to edit using Hindenburg. I, I don't want to know about that stuff. So I was like, okay, well, what is a way in which we can periodically talk about what we do, um, but have fun with it? So I was like, okay, well, how about chatting over chowder? And I had reached out to uh, my graphic designer, because she was actually my first employee. And she is just like the yin to my yang. She is amazing. She's a beautiful person inside and out. And I was like, well, would you want to co-host this podcast with me, Chad and Chowder? And it essentially is a way for me to kiki it up with my podcasting friends about what podcasts they listen to. And we literally send them chowder or soup. So, yeah, so that's how chatting over chatter came to be about. I was like, I can explain what we do. We can, and I also wanted people who were listening, who were thinking about going into the podcasting world and like working in podcasting, that there are other women who are in their 40s, who are, who are black, who haven't had this, you know, audio engineering education. And they can be lucrative and, success, and, and successful in this industry. Or people who are thinking about creating their own podcast. I have so many women on there talking about their podcasting journey and their history and how they got into it. And it runs the gamut from people being in the in entertainment industry all the way to um, two cousins realizing that they didn't hear anybody who expressed their views and their opinions and their and their feelings. And they didn't want other people who looked like them to feel that way as well. So that's, uh, I love my podcast because I just love the amazing women that I'm introduced, I'm able to introduce to other people who may or may not have heard of them. And I just love to chat with my friends. <laughs> yep. That's honestly why I was like starting podcasting because I was like, I like talking to people. So this is, this is a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, and also too, like you said, there's such a, the podcasting world is so saturated with a lot of white people, a lot of white dudes. Not everybody thinks that they can do it because they're not seeing themselves. And I think it's so, and also like people that, that it isn't, you can get into it and be creative and however you don't need to have all the tips. You don't need to have all the, the technical knowledge, like you said, to do the thing. Absolutely. And all of that, all of that comes like you have to, you have to put your first foot out there. And then all of a sudden you're introduced to, to different people who can teach you isotope who can teach and they're like, what the hell does isotope mean? I don't know. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah. I was like, I'm taking your class right now. Where do I sign up? <laughs> Isotope is like a plugin for your DAW. Yep. Um, it, oh, even what a DAW is. Like, like all, it, <laughs> all of this terminolo terminology, if you continue in the field long enough, if you stick with it, 
because you love it and not just because it's like the in thing to do right now but because you truly absolutely love it and this is like where your spirit is is sending you you'll you'll start learning all, and all of a sudden you'll be like I understand that technical dialogue. I understand that vernacular. It's like, wow, holy shit. Like, I'm doing this. <laughs> no, I know things now. I know things. That's literally in the in the podcasters group. When every time someone talks about something technical, I'm just like, I don't know. I just plug things in and hope for the best. I don't know. <laughs> like too much. But, but, but through like osmosis. Yeah. It just all of a sudden like trinkles into your mind. And then all of a sudden Sarah's like, oh, you use that dog? I use this dog. Okay. All right. I just take over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been, I think I've been trying to do more, uh, like joining the podcast group and doing the talk that we did recently where I was just like, I don't talks. I don't, I just want to, I just want to say things. But if I didn't do that talk, we wouldn't have been introduced to each other. So, you know, I feel like, you never know where you can, if you do something different, you never know where that goes. And I think anxiety full circle is something that it's hard to break out of when you have it, or it'll keep you in that mindset. But when you decide to like take the leap on your own to take a break from, to like break away from it, you don't know what, like you don't even, the possibilities are not even something you can fathom in your head. And I, and I love what you're doing with this podcast. I love that you're giving permission for people to say, okay, I have anxiety and, you know, like it, it's not, a, I have anxiety full stop. It's anxiety is just a minutia of what makes a per, what makes up this particular person. They have all of these other things that contribute to the makeup of who they are and how they operate and what they do. But I think that there's a little bit of a stigma associated with it. So people are, are hesitant to say, and, and, you know, and people want to fake the facade and be like, I'm, I'm Gucci all the time and I'm amazing and I'm happy and I'm smiling. And it's like, okay, well, our brains don't operate like that. And that's okay. And if we need to take a nap to recoup, if we need to go for a walk, if we need to just sit outside, if we need to like walk ourselves in our room and just have quiet, that's okay. So good on you for making a podcast where people can feel like people understand them and that they're not alone and you can be anxious AF and still live your life the way that you want to live it. Yeah. And make it part of your brand. Like get paid, get paid on your anxiousness. (laughs) So tell the people where they can find you about your podcast, about the business, whatever you want to promo. This is your moment. So my name is Bethany Hawkins. I am the CEO and founder and creator of Crackers and Soup, which is a podcast management business. Um, we do everything from launching to eight episode packages to 12 episode packages. So all of our clientele really have to do is hit record and send it to us and we do all of the rest. And then I also have a podcast with my co-host, Sherlyn Galva, who is um, also my graphic designer. Uh, for crackers and soup and it is called chatting over chowder so crackers and soup website is c-r-a-c-k-e-r-s-i-n-s-o-u-p.com and there you can find all of our services and you can also find our podcast chatting over chowder we're also on instagram at the crackers and soup and 
on Instagram at chatting over chowder and we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter, which I'm really not on that much. And I'm on LinkedIn, which I kind of hate. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been so fun. Oh my God. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad to talk to you and I hope we can actually see each other in person one day, maybe before 2040. That's the hope. I would love that. <laughs> And I do have to say that this is like something like I'm so excited to talk about this because this is somebody that nobody has asked me about before. Like, and if you are interested in creating a podcast, uh, my whole spiel, please don't worry about downloads. Worry about connection. If you're connecting with somebody, that is where the magic happens. Don't worry about your downloads. Oh, that's my motto. I hate that. It drives me crazy. I'm like, look, did you change somebody's life with that one particular episode? Who cares about your downloads? You changed someone's life. That is it. That's all. I, I'm like, if one person says like they loved it, I'm like, I'm good. And, and that person is just me talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you, if you can go back and listen to your own shit and be like, that was a gem. Like, I no, did good. Baby. Yes. Winning. Winning in that episode. Don't worry about the downloads. <laughs> I'm going to have that part of you going, yes, yes, just every time I listen to something, just like have it playing in the background. Like, yeah, yes. that was a gem. Oh, my, who said that? Oh, my God, I said that. <laughs> what? <laughs> you are amazing. I can't handle it. You're so good. <laughs> Thank you, Bethany. I'm so glad Thank I got to you. talk to you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much to Bethany for coming on the podcast. Minus some Instagram messages, that was our first real conversation. So glad you agreed to talk to me, and I'm looking forward to connecting so much more in the future. If you want to learn more about Bethany's podcast management company, Crackers and Soup, go to crackersandsoup.com. Subscribe to her podcast, Chatting Over Chowder, and you can follow her on Instagram at bcrackersinsoup. While you're on social media, follow this show on Instagram and Facebook at Anxious AF Show. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts these days, and you can stream every episode at anxiousafshow.com. Email us at anxiousafshow at gmail.com with feedback, guest suggestions, or stories of your own. This episode was edited and mixed by Angelique Ibera. Music by Garrett Rose. You can check out his work at garrettrose.com. And I'm your host of the podcast where anxiety is the brand, Sarah Curlin. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.